When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Is Google falling behind in cloud? That is the question we're going to be addressing today. There is a battle over the cloud market. That cloud market is divided into three main companies, one of them being Amazon with AWS, the other being Microsoft with Azure, and then in third place, we have Google Cloud. And we got the earnings report most recently of two specific companies, Microsoft and Google. As you can see right now, Microsoft is trading in the green because the company reported much better than expected earnings per share and revenue. They also are growing in major key parts of their company. And then most importantly, their Azure business is doing really well. Google reported at the same time and they had a different outcome. Google's showing that they're slowing down in cloud, slower than Microsoft Azure, and this is causing investors a lot of concern. We're going to be going over these two main earnings reports, but we're also going to be glancing at Meta's. We'll be seeing how this company's doing, and we have some other companies to look at as well. VG reported earnings and Canadian Pacific. So we have a lot to get into in this episode. Let's go ahead and jump right in. Now, before we start off into addressing this question with Google, I want to take a look at my portfolio. It's traded down a lot over the past month. Now, it's kept up with the market, so it hasn't been doing especially bad, but it's traded down $14,000 or a little bit less than 3% over the past one month. And today's no different. Today, we're down another half a percent while the market's down quite a bit more. Right now, the S&P 500 is currently down 1.5% and the NASDAQ is down 2.47%. That's a huge red day on the NASDAQ. It's being dragged down primarily by Google, also by Amazon, and now by Meta as well. There's a lot of fear in the market over the past couple of weeks. This is something you just have to get used to when you're investing. It's not a big deal. And the important thing we should be looking at is the intrinsic value of our companies. The intrinsic value is gauged by the actual fundamentals and metrics of the company. I track the intrinsic value using Qualtrim which shows you clearly the fundamentals and the developments of the actual business, the cash flows over time. With companies like Microsoft, companies like Google and Apple and Amazon, most of these companies are growing intrinsically quarter after quarter. Microsoft in their most recent earnings report had a record high earnings per share. So again, when I look at days like today where everything's in the red, I'm not concerned about that. What I'm looking at is my businesses and how they're doing, and my businesses are doing great. If you want to see me track this over time and see how my returns turn out, how this portfolio does, you can follow along for free by subscribing to the channel. In summary, Microsoft's earnings report was above and beyond anybody's real wildest expectations. Their report was so phenomenally good, it almost sounds fake. It sounds like it's made up, but it's not. Let's go ahead and take a look at some of the numbers here. This is what Microsoft's revenue looks like over time. We have the Bill Gates era of creating the company. 
We have the Steve Ballmer era, where the company was doing okay, but not having any exceptional results. And then we have the Satya Nadella era, which is probably the best for shareholders, where he transferred the company to a subscription basis. He made it so it was integrated and ubiquitous with everything. And he focused primarily on integrating everything into cloud. The cloud at Microsoft is called Azure. Microsoft's latest report showed a revenue growth rate of 12.76%, 12% on a constant currency basis. That's really good. 12% revenue growth for a company of this size or a company of any size for that matter is great. Even small businesses or so-called growth companies have a difficult time growing at 12%. So we move from the top line to the earnings of the company. Again, there was the era where Microsoft was mostly flat with its EPS, and then Satya Nadella got control of the company, and he spurred rapid growth. If we zoom in over the past 10 years, for example, this latest earnings per share growth was 27% year over year, which is really good. That was a really fast earnings per share growth. Now, last year it was a little bit lower, so there's some small cyclicality, but still we're seeing intrinsic value increasing over time. As this company's growing its top line revenue, as the company's growing its earnings per share, we can assume that the intrinsic value of the company's going up as well. When we look at any of the other metrics, they also look fantastic. They're raising a lot of cash for the acquisition. The balance sheet still looks very strong. Over the past 10 years, they've consistently raised the dividend around 15 to 20% per year. I expect them to do the same in the future. The ratios also look very good. If we zoom in on the margins here, and we look at the gross margins, right here is the 70% mark. This is the all-important mark for Microsoft. They love keeping their margins at 70%, and this latest quarter, they got it above 70%. So they're growing revenue while keeping margins high. They're growing their earnings per share. And on top of that, they're growing the most important segments of their business. I'll throw up a chart here that shows you all the various business segments of Microsoft and the various growth rates. The most recent quarter is off to the right. At the very top, the most anticipated, the most important segment is that all-important cloud business, Azure. The Azure and other cloud services grew at a rate of 29%. 29% growth is very fast. That was a reacceleration from 26% the most recent quarter. So Microsoft is reaccelerating growth, speeding it up in the cloud business. There's really no debate. Microsoft is becoming worth more over time. Intrinsically speaking, the company has gained in its intrinsic value. Now, the gains in the holding are $12,000. So this also has been a terrific performer. It's a stock I'm very happy to hold. In my opinion, Microsoft has been one of the easiest investments in the market. When you look at the fundamentals, it tells a story in and of itself. And then the valuation is also very undemanding, where it traded at $220 last year. I think Microsoft is worth around $350. And I've thought that for a while. We're very close to it. In fact, it could get there relatively soon. But I'm not buying Microsoft today. I was buying this company when it traded down to $220 a year ago. That's where I bought the majority of my holding. So all of this has been great, and I think it will continue to go up in the future. For me right now, Microsoft is a hold. So with Microsoft, everything went about as well as you could possibly dream of, but that's not the case for Google. Google, at the same time as Microsoft, showed a glaring weakness. And that weakness is being very much punished by the market. It's down nearly 10% today, which is a massive drop, especially for a company as good as Google. 
So Google's earnings per share showed a great recovery. Their cash balance is even increasing above $119 billion, which is an insane amount of cash to hold. They have one of the best balance sheets in the market. Their free cash flow looked terrific this last quarter, generating $22 billion in free cash flow. Now, when we look at the stock-based comp, that does eat up a decent portion of it. So when we net that out, it's around $16.8 billion of free cash flow. This is the real amount of cash that the investor gets, but this is still not bad. Generating nearly $17 billion of adjusted free cash flow is very strong. And on top of that, the top line growth was just shy of Microsoft, growing at 11% instead of 12%. So in terms of the report, everything on the surface looked pretty good. Why is the stock down 10%? Well, all of this comes down to the important growth path of Google, which is Google Cloud. So let's go ahead and talk about the cloud market here, why it's so important, and why this report was so devastating to Google. Let's go ahead and first show the cloud market by market share. Now there's a number of players. There's Tencent Cloud and Oracle and Salesforce and IBM that control all this small fractional market share. But in reality, there's only three players. You can basically get rid of the other ones. They don't control a meaningful enough market share. This is a very top heavy market meaning that the big winners on top will continue to be the big winners and naturally more and more companies gravitate towards those big winners. Why is this industry so top heavy? Because once a developer learns how to code on AWS or how to code on Azure or how to code on Google Cloud, they don't wanna relearn how to do things on a separate cloud platform. So there's a knowledge base effect. The more people that use AWS, it means the more likely they're gonna use AWS in the future, and the more likely they're gonna use AWS in a future job. So in terms of knowledge set, it's more beneficial for developers to learn Amazon's AWS than it is to learn Tencent Cloud or IBM Cloud. There's more jobs available with AWS than there are IBM Cloud. So the knowledge base is a huge part of why this industry is so top heavy. On top of knowledge base, the companies that are at the very top Azure, AWS, and Google Cloud have by far the most tooling, the most resources. They have all of the best tools to be able to grow your business, and they have the most distributed servers. So they have everything aligned to make this industry very top heavy. Now, the reason that this industry and this category of cloud is so important and so sought after is because it has incredibly reliable revenue streams. It has high margins, and it has a very long duration of life. Companies that sign up for cloud products typically use them for year after year after year. So this is like the holy grail of a business model. It has long duration, high profits, and good customer lock-in. This is the most important growth path for all three of these companies, for AWS with Amazon and for Microsoft, and especially for Google. Right now, Google doesn't have a significant amount of growth paths. They have most of their revenue highly concentrated into Google search. They're trying to do some experimentation with driverless vehicles. They're trying to do some experimentation with AI. They have YouTube, which is growing. But outside of that, the most significant promising growth path is the cloud business, which is highly attractive. Now, what we saw in this last report with Microsoft and Google is that Microsoft sped up growth of Azure to 29% year over year. Google Cloud, on the other hand, had growth decelerate. Let's go ahead and take a look. Here is the revenue breakdown by Google. 
They have the Google search. This did well. YouTube is reaccelerating growth, which looked really strong. It's going back into the double digits. Google services overall looked very strong. So the company's in good shape. But then we have that all important Google Cloud. Google Cloud had growth of only 22%. Now keep in mind again, Microsoft just reported growth in Azure of 29%. Do you see the problem here? Google Cloud is roughly half the size of Microsoft Azure, half the size, and it's growing slower. Azure's taking market share from Google Cloud as Google Cloud is half the size. That is not a good story. No matter what way you try to cut that or slice it or you try to change the narrative, it's not good when your smaller product is growing at a slower speed. If you're smaller, you should naturally be outgrowing the bigger players to try to take market share. But we're seeing just the opposite. And what I believe this is proving is how top heavy this industry is. The big gains seem to be going to AWS and Azure. And that is a problem for Google. Now, a lot of investors in Google that have focused on this company and made it a huge part of their portfolio are a little bit surprised about this report. They're saying that this is a big overreaction, the market's getting it wrong, and Google's doing just fine. Gene Munster is one of them. He explains why he thinks that Microsoft is pulling ahead and why he thinks this is ultimately an overreaction by Google investors. Google, I think investors should just take a deep breath. Uh, we've put a lot of pressure on that uh, uh, Google Cloud number. The deceleration, understand that that's caught people's attention from 28% to 23%, while Azure uh, had that step up in growth from 26 to 29%. But the deep breath piece of this is just looking at the aggregate of what is in front of Google over the next decade. They essentially have, are losing share in cloud right now, in part because of Microsoft is optimizing OpenAI on Azure. And so they are gaining uh, uh, usage because of that. Google's answer to OpenAI is their new Gemini platform. That is, uh, Sundar was talking about it on the call here the past 35 minutes. And that's their new, uh, essentially, that's their answer to OpenAI. Jane believes that part of the reason Google's falling behind is because Microsoft beat them to the AI game, integrating AI into Azure ahead of Google. And Google's right behind them. They're going to catch up with Gemini. They're going to integrate it into Google Cloud. And they're going to then surpass growth of Microsoft Azure. I think that that might be part of it, maybe a small part. But I think there's a bigger reason that Azure continues to pull ahead of Google Cloud. Again, I can't understate the importance of developer knowledge base. Developers like using tools that they're familiar with. They like learning the tools that are the most often used in the most amount of jobs. So if you're a developer and you're wanting to learn one of these platforms, you're naturally going to pick Amazon's AWS or Microsoft Azure over Google Cloud because they already have more market share. And the fact that you do that makes it so that more companies are going to pick those services as well because their developers already know how to use them. It takes a lot of extra mental load, a lot of extra time and learning to learn an entirely new cloud service for your company. So I think that does play a massive role in why AWS is so frequently chosen for new companies and new different platforms to integrate onto their cloud. Developers already know how to use their products. I believe that's part of the reason why companies like Adobe have done so well for so long, despite there being many alternatives. 
every single photographer already knows how to use Adobe products, so they don't want to use the mental load to switch over to something different. Now, outside of that knowledge base, there's another reason that I think Azure is pulling ahead of Google Cloud, and that is because Microsoft is wrapping Azure and integrating it into every part of their already massive corporate software suite. Microsoft sells so many critical pieces of software to Fortune 500 companies. They have Microsoft Dynamics, Office 365 with all the accounting software, Office Commercial. They have Microsoft Teams and on and on and on. All of these products automatically integrate into Azure. So Microsoft already has this inherent advantage of making Microsoft Azure already integrated into all of their Office products. It's much easier to integrate on Microsoft's products into Azure than it is to integrate on Microsoft's products into Google Cloud or AWS. So there's multiple reasons we can point out of why Azure's growing so fast at 29%. We can point out that they're a little bit ahead in AI. They got to that before Google Cloud. That was one smart thing they did, but I think the bigger reasons is because of the knowledge base of developers that know how to use Azure, and most importantly, the easy integration of Microsoft tools into Azure gives them an inherent advantage over Google Cloud and AWS. Ultimately, these companies are all competing for this all-important market share, and the one that is the least advantaged is Google Cloud. The reason that they are the least advantage is because they have the smallest knowledge base of developers that know how to use Google Cloud, so they're the least likely to naturally be picked by a development team, and they also have the least amount of integration. They don't have as many tools to integrate like Microsoft does. Most companies will choose either AWS or Azure over Google Cloud. The way that Google Cloud is trying to compete is with AI, and even then, AWS and Azure are giving them a run for their money. Now, does this mean, as investors in Google, that we should become bearish on the company or become overly concerned? Of course not. The Google Cloud performance was underwhelming. It's showing weakness, comparatively speaking, to Azure. And I think it's also going to trail behind AWS. AWS has such a bigger market share than Google Cloud. But regardless, the business still is growing, and it's going to be profitable. Google Cloud will become a highly profitable growth path for Google, even despite being in third place. And being in third place in the cloud market is still not a bad thing. And overall, Google's valuation is a bit undemanding. It trades at a decent free cash flow yield, a decent PE ratio, and the company's a great company. So I believe that part of the sell-off is a little bit warranted. Investors may be too excited about Google Cloud. But other than that, I think the company's still in great shape and it's still a great investment. Now, moving on, we also have Meta, which also reported today. The stock was down 4% on the day, but then they reported earnings, and the stock is up around 4.5%, almost 5% on the day. So it basically canceled out today's trade, which is good. The stock is basically flat on the day. Now, Meta's earnings report was a good one. This was one of the best earnings report that Meta has had in a long time. Incrementally, everything is moving back in the right direction as Mark Zuckerberg is focused on efficiency, that key word that investors love to hear. 
Most of the key metrics are moving in the right direction. They're seeing 7 8% increases in activity on their family Facebook apps. Ad revenues moving in the right direction. The revenue overall increased by 23% year over year, which is massive increase. Meta is now the faster growing of the big tech companies. That's good that they reaccelerated growth after it going flat last year. And then on top of that, they did something that they've been struggling with. They're cutting expenses. They had a decrease in expense of 7% year over year. So the business is growing in size and becoming more efficient at the same time. We can calculate the cash flow of the company by taking the net cash from operating activity, looking at the share-based compensation, and looking at the capex, which is the purchase of property and equipment. When you net all of this out, Meta generated $10,362,000,000 in free cash flow after stock-based comp which is really high. If we look at the free cash flow, netting out the stock-based comp, this is what it looks like. In 2021 to 2022, this is right when Mark Zuckerberg was focused on the metaverse, an exciting new product, and he didn't seem to be focused at all on efficiency or how the business's actual cash flows looked. And Wall Street did not like that. It caused the stock to sell off as the cash flows went down. Now, right at the bottom here, Mark Zuckerberg made a massive pivot. He came out with this big letter saying that he's focused on efficiency, and that really marked the bottom of the stock, as well as the bottom of the cash flows. On a stock-based compensation-adjusted basis, in Q3 of 2022, the cash flows were actually negative. Meta was losing money and diluting investors, but it turned around quickly. In 2022 Q4, it went back into the positive, and it's incrementally stepped up every single quarter. Now, this latest quarter, again, is right over $10 billion. So when Qualtrum updates the numbers here, the latest quarter will be right here. Almost an all-time high of true cash flow from Meta, matching where they were back in 2021. And you can notice how the stock price also seems to follow the cash flow. You can see how this is aligned. This is when they hit their peak in cash flow, the cash flows went down, then they went back up, and so has the stock price. So the stock price in this case is accurately following the cash flows of the company. Meta is focusing on profits, focusing on efficiency. They're doing a fantastic job growing reels and competing with YouTube, and they're seeing the rewards come in. The stock is up right now around 3.5%, so it's down just a tad on the day, but overall, this is a fantastic report. Investors should be happy with this. I expect Meta to hold on to their gains. Now next up, we have Vici, which has been going through a bit of a sell-off. The company's traded down from $33 per share down to $27. I'm still in the green on this one. It's still been a great investment, but it's interesting to see how much Vici's traded down because fundamentally speaking, everything has been positive. It's been moving in the right direction. The earnings report highlights a lot of fundamental developments for Vici. They grew the revenue, which is expected. We'll look at the dilution adjusted growth in a minute, but they also completed the first sale leaseback transaction in a family entertainment sector of Bolero. And Vici's leasing 38 of their locations. Along with this transaction, Vici gets over a 7% cap rate. So they got very favorable terms with this transaction. They also completed the acquisition of Century Casinos for gaming properties in Alberta, Canada. We've known about that deal for a while. They announced the expansion of the partnership into Canyon Ranch, and they're increasing their full year 2023 guidance. Ed Petoniak, the CEO of the company, says Vici's third quarter financial performance reflects sustained and sustainable commitment to accretive growth and capital deployment through acquisitions and strategic financing activity. Accretive growth means that they're not just growing for the sake of growing, they're growing profitably. 
They're creating value as they grow, which is incredibly important for any company, but especially for REITs, which in many cases, they can get in the habit of growing just to grow. Now, the way that they show that they're growing accretively is they say that they've had 20% revenue growth. In the case of REITs, revenue growth really isn't the most important thing because you need to know whether or not it was accretive or dilutive. In this case, it was accretive. They had nearly 11% AFFO per share growth year over year. The AFFO is the adjusted funds from operations, and then you divide that on a per share basis to make sure each share you own is growing profitably. And they're doing that. Every share of Vici has 11% more cash flow power than it did one year ago. So the CEO of the company is making sure that every share you buy of this company is growing profitably year after year. An 11% growth for REITs in this market is still very fast growth. That's faster than most REITs like Realty Income Corp or American Tower Corporation or basically any other REIT you can list off. This is solid growth from this company. And overall, this is the best metric you look at to track the intrinsic value of a REIT. Now, they recently just announced a big acquisition. They say subsequent to the quarter end, we entered into a new experiential sector with Bolero, the market leader in reinvigorating the programming and economics of the bowling experience through their innovative consolidation and growth model. In this partnership, we acquired 38 Bolero properties and concurrently bolstered our embedded growth pipeline by obtaining the right the first offer to acquire current or future Bolero real estate in the coming years through sale leaseback transactions. So they basically say that so far they bought 38 properties and they also bought the right to acquire future properties before anyone else. So they get the first bid on it. We also expanded our presence in 11 new states and added another publicly traded tenant to our roster. Vici's differentiation stems from our commitment to partnership with operators who define a respective experiential category, as Bolero has done so in bowling experience. So if we look at Bolero, this company that's a new tenant of Vici is not the biggest tenant, but it's another good one for Vici to have in their portfolio. It further diversifies their portfolio. It's very accretive with above a 7% cap rate and Bolero's profitable. Now, a lot of companies like Bolero that were SPACs that came out of 2020, they've all either gone away or they're deeply unprofitable. Bolero's one of the exceptions that's making good money. And I've listened to interviews with the CEO of Bolero. He's really dedicated to growing this company. It is a founder-operated company, and I believe that Vici made the right move in partnering with this experiential company. Right now, I believe Vici's undervalued. I think the company is set up for a lot of growth in the future. They have an extremely strong tenant roster. They have very strong leases. They're not over-leveraged, and I believe they're going to sail through a recession. So even the big recession prediction is not something that I'm concerned about. Right now, I think the price point is favorable for this company as these are out of favor, and I plan on holding my large Vici position. Now, last but not least, we have Canadian Pacific. This is a half size position in my portfolio, so I do have an investment in this company. And overall, I have to be honest, this report was a little meh. It wasn't that exciting either way. In fact, I think it was probably a little bit underwhelming. The CEO starts off by saying that they've encountered challenges this quarter due to softer macro environment and external labor disruptions. So they're listing off problems here and challenges. That's never a good sign when that's how the CEO starts off their letter. There's also on the report, not much earnings per share growth. They have to deal with that merger. So there's some dilution there. 
Uh, overall, it was just a, a basically flat quarter. Not much to show this quarter. And they again list off more challenges. Economic headwinds and other near-term challenges, including the Port of Vancouver strike, had weighed in on the volumes more than we anticipated. Therefore, we are adjusting our near-term guidance accordingly. It's never good to see companies primarily focusing on these challenges. It's a lot more fun to see them in the situation of Microsoft or Meta, where things are just going explosively well. But don't be fooled. Canadian Pacific is an incredibly strong company with massive barriers to entry, and it's going to take a lot more than some strikes or some disruptions with macro to make this company a poor investment. As of right now, if this stock continues to trade down or trade flat, I'm going to increase my stake in the company. So there's my thoughts overall on these earnings reports. We just made it through a difficult day, but overall, when I look at the actual fundamentals of these companies, I mostly see them moving in the right direction. I don't think these companies are doing poorly. That's all for this episode. I hope you enjoyed, and I'll see you in the next one.